welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nithin. What's good, Nithin? Yo, what's up, man? Uh, we we promised uh, Kush to come back. Our, our executive producer, Kush, was going to come back on the podcast. We're going to do the over-unders. Remember when we did this at the start of the season, he was uh, picking teams based on which cities he liked to party in the most. So we figured we'd have him up back on to roast him, and lo and behold, He's kicking our ass this season, but welcome, Kush. I know you're too busy. Can't even come on the pod during the All-Star break, but uh, thanks for coming back. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Um, yeah, you know, things. Uh, so we stopped working from home here in Thailand a couple of months ago, which means my basketball watching has gone to almost zero because that's what I was doing every morning when I'd wake up. Um, but, yeah, it turns out that you don't need to watch a lot of basketball to know anything about it. So I... You know, as we'll find out, spoiler alert, I'm crushing you guys in the over-unders. And uh, I think that means I get one of your host or co-host spots, right? So, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I feel like, you know, this is like the NCAA tournament, like March Madness is starting tomorrow. This is like the NCAA tournament where the person who hasn't watched it all, the random girl in your group goes like just an insane run to the top or guy, random guy or girl uh, or anybody really. Uh, insane run to the top and has no clue what's going on in college basketball. The rest of us sitting here studying for hours and hours, and that's just how it goes sometimes. I'm, the- I, I take offense to that. I know, I know something about the NBA, but now all I know about it is basically uh, what I read in the headlines, which hasn't been much, and then whatever happens on my fantasy team, which is apparently everyone in the league is injured. So that's, that's been real fun for me. I'm just going to chalk this year up to a weird year. It's a COVID season, you know, because it's, it's demoralizing to think that. Uh, I don't know when the last time you watched a full basketball game is, but when I read these records, it's going to become clear that Nathan and I apparently know nothing about basketball. So um, let's get to the over-under specifically. You know, before the season started, each of us picked every team uh, over and under. And right now, if we actually prorate each team's record, to the end of the season. Uh, Kush has 18 that he is tracking correctly and and 12 that are wrong. So he's 18 and 12. And Nitin and I are both a stellar 12 and 18 on the season so far. So (laughs) Kush has a six-game leg up on us. Uh, Now, of course, season's still going. A lot of these might trend in in the other direction and help us save our record by the end of it, but it's not looking good. So what I thought we could do, or Nitin, did you have anything to say to that? To defend no, the record I was going to say if we had put these in, in, you know, if we had put this, uh, put these bets in like we were supposed to, we would be down quite a bit of money right now. We would, yeah, and th- that's what we did last season, right? And how did that fare out? I think we came out even, or maybe yeah, we were positive. okay last season. We were, I think, we were right above five hundred, but because you have to pay the vig, you end up breaking even, even at like sixteen and fourteen. So this year we would be mortgaging the farm uh unfortunately i already mortgaged the farm betting on the whiz over so i really don't have anything left in my name but hey as the stock market is teaching us it doesn't count until you sell that that is true and, and apparently the whiz you bet on the the jazz tonight against the whiz and the whiz are also screwing you in that game so um i think you, i think you got to lay off the sports betting for a bit uh, so I, I have oldest time is the wizards <laughs> fucking me over I have to say that, like, I wanted to do this as soon as we could because we were tracking like the over unders, and I was doing really well. And so, as as executive producer on this, I was like, let's get let's get this pot out 
ASAP so that I can be a bit smug on it. But it yeah. is funny to, it is funny, and this is not just to get more listens, but if you guys go back and listen to when we did the over-unders at the beginning of the season, it's pretty funny because, like, there's a few teams there where you guys are super sure about your picks, and I've come <laughs> in with some really half-assed reason for why I want to go the other way. And uh, so far, things are looking pretty good on some of those. Oh, yeah. And we're, we're going to get into it. So maybe let's start off with, uh, on the positive side, there were a couple teams that we all picked um, correctly, you know, starting with the Bucks under, who uh, they're, they're playing well lately, but still tracking under. Sixers over, Hawks under, Bulls over, and Grizzlies over. So those were the six that all of us were on the same page. We all got right. Now, the ones we all got wrong, and what's interesting here is all three of our teams appear on this list. So we have the Celtics, the Wizards, Celtics over, Wizards over, and Kings under are all wrong. And then on top of that, we have the Knicks, Nuggets, uh, Knicks under, Nuggets over, Clippers over, and Lakers under. So first of all, how did we get our favorite teams all incorrect. And all of us were on the same page too, so there wasn't any disagreement. What do you guys have to say about that? It actually represents our fandom, right? Kush <laughs> from Titletown, USA in Boston. Puff, you know, puff out the chest. You win every year. So, of course, we're going to go over. Karthik, he's been miserable for 15 years now with Sacramento. <laughs> if, this had, if you had placed this before the Bucks had made that – or, sorry, after the Bucks had made that Super Bowl run, maybe you would have taken the up over just out of just riding that high. And for me, you know, I'm emotional. Anytime the Wizards make any type of move, I, I, I think it's going to the moon. And so I'm all over the map. Like right now, I don't think they're going to win another game this season. And then, of course, they're up 20 versus Utah. So – that's just hiding. It represents all of our personalities as as well as our sports fandom environments. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I was just looking back on on some of the comments from the first pod, and I couldn't believe that you guys took the over on the Celtics. Like, I was going to take the under on it actually this year, and then I was like, I'll just take over because you know they're my team. And then when you both came in over as well, I was I was pretty surprised. And then Karthik taking the under on on the Kings, but. I guess now that you mentioned it, that's pretty on brand for him. Although, yeah, the Bucks, the Bucks won, so he might be changing. I don't know. Karthik is the king of the. He's the king of the emotional hedge. He was, of course, going to take the Kings under. All I expect now are championships. I'm in a different mindset. Yeah. Nathan was right. <laughs> Ever since February eighth, twenty twenty one, I'm a changed man. So this this would look very different if I made it now. Um, but it has to be said though, the the Wizards or the Celtics uh, over. Uh, I think as Nitin was defending why he went with the over, he started talking himself out of it on the pod itself. So this yeah. this looks shaky from the beginning. We never really had a, a chance. I this feel one. like I wasn't allowed any sort of just thinking space. It's like as soon as I submitted it, it was like the fucking SAT where my answers were locked. Like I wasn't even allowed to like modify as I like started co- collecting more information. And because of that, I'm 12 and 18. You had a week to prepare your picks before the pod. We weren't deciding them on the pod. We weren't like, I yo, know, for the first time ever, it. here's the over-under. Can you decide right now? For the right first now? time ever, here are the 30 teams that play in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> you should see. You guys should see the, the group chat I have with my, my BU friends. They're, they're a miserable bunch right now. Like, every day it's just, this team's pathetic. We need to get out. We need to get rid of the coach, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a pretty dark space. And uh, 
And I'm sure you guys would enjoy it, actually. Oh, I would. I, I would actually, love it. Yeah. I don't get it entirely, but we can get to the Celtics. I just I don't understand exactly what's happening. Mean, I know they missed Smart for a while. They missed Kemba for a while. They obviously missed Hayward. But it feels like they got two of the 10 best, 12 best players in the conference, you know, 20 best players in conference, whatever it is. And it feels like that should be enough, but they look so disjointed night to night. I don't know. They're 10th in that rating across the league. And, but they crunch time, they just fall apart. And and I don't know, like with a team with, with Tatum and Brown and how well they've been playing this season and the Brad Stevens as coaching acumen, right? Like they're a team that somehow plays pretty well. Uh, you know, when you look at all the stats, but they just can't close games. And that's been their Achilles heel. They've, and they've pretty much whiffed on every, everyone they've tried to get to build around those two guys. It's kind of amazing. Like, the, the level to which that supporting cast is just not up to par. And you're right, you have two of the 10 best players and somehow you have you can't play crunch time. And it's, I don't know, I mean, I guess neither of them is, is the type of player that's, you know, getting to the basket hard and teams can sort of defend them pretty easily because you just put a couple of guys on Tatum and, you know, get your best defender on, on one of the two and then who else is there to, to score? It's, yeah, and with Marcus Smart missing a lot of the early part of the season, it was weird how much they actually depended on him in off on offense. Like last year, we used to make fun of how many threes he take and how much uh, the offense would tend to flow through him. But they really, uh, like you said, Kush, they were overly dependent on on Brown and and Tatum. And last year, they they had a lot of uh, you know cl- um, clutch possessions where Marcus Smart would bail them out uh, or Kemba would bail them out, and they're not getting those contributions from the, those guys this year. Or at least and, they were correct enough that people had to, like, you know, yeah. stay on them. They suffer from the same problem the Clippers do, which is that they look great with the two wings playing, you know, making big shots. But late game offense, when it slows down, then you need to set up good possessions. They really struggle because they don't have Hayward. They don't have Smart, both of whom were ball movers. Now Smart is back. Of course, Hayward doesn't play there anymore. But that's been the biggest problem. And it's so funny because, like, Kemba Walker went from all-star starter just last season to almost like a albatross contract. And we're talking 12 months um, because of the knees and because, you know, his size in general ages poorly and he's starting to, you know, he's in year, I think 10. uh, So it's starting to add up for him. Um, But, you know, nonetheless, I mean, I think they're going to rebound, but it's actually crazy because if you say they're going to make, be in the play-in tournament, that's not like a far-fetched notion. Like they may very well end up seven through 10. Yeah. And it's a bit of an indictment on, on Brad Stevens, right? Like he he yeah. came in and everyone was like he the way he calls plays is so great and everything. And you watch that offense down the stretch, and they don't seem to have one play that they can run that is effective. Yeah. So the the other one I want to quickly touch on before we go into our other picks is is the Wizards because that look that was something we were all Why? on but that was something that everyone else was also on right this idea of Russell Westbrook coming in uh and and providing them a little bit of a, you know a jolt on offense with Bradley yeah. Beal and they've got a couple of young tantalizing pieces right so Nitin, maybe we you tell us what exactly went wrong because that one went horrifically wrong like that's not even a close to hitting the over this year so it's pretty insane, right? Because I had a 32.5, which meant 37 and 45 for a full season, right? Uh, was their mark. And what doesn't make any sense is if you look at last year's team, 
versus this year's, they're on a better pace than last year. And that's, sorry, they're on a, they were on a better pace last year than this year. And that's with the John Wall contract just sitting there, 41 million and no games, of course. That's with, um, you know, no Denny Avdia, rookie Rui Hachimura, Isaiah Thomas playing half the season on a bum hip. So when you talked about adding Russell Westbrook, he didn't have to be the Russell Westbrook of old, but this was a guy that just came off an all-NBA season the prior year with Houston. And everybody knows he was a shell of his former MVP self when he was in Houston. But at the same time, it's like, all right, it's not that much of a drop-off. And we're talking about going 500 in the East with Beal, who, you know, back to the Celtics conversation, Beal is a top five player in the conference, right? Or top seven player in the conference. And so if you have that talent, you have you have Russ, who's going to put up numbers for better or worse, you would think it's enough. But I think one of the things that has occurred now that I watch Russ much more frequently than I even did when he was on national TV all the time, it's his numbers, at least at this stage of his career, very much take away from the flow of the offense and he's shooting and he's passing and he's rebounding. He's doing all the things you want him to do, but every possession flows through him. And he plays a high turnover, low efficiency style of basketball. Nobody else can get in a rhythm. They play absolutely no defense. And look, I didn't think they were going to be like world beaters this year, but I I will tell you, I'm shocked that this, this hasn't gone better. And, you know, I think they're going to grab a couple wins here and there, like tonight maybe versus Utah, and it's going to keep, you know, keep the team thinking they have a shot. This team has no shot. They need to they need to tank because they have very few high-quality players, and the only way to really build through that, given their cap-strapped, cap is through the draft. Yeah, but isn't that... How depressing is that to uh, feel like you only loaded up on talent and, and with Beal, and Beal, who you call all-NBA, you know, all-star starter, and this team still can't get out of its own way. I mean, I think that's an indictment on Scott Brooks, if, if anything, right? Oh, dude, Scott Brooks is one of the three worst coaches, not just in the NBA, like anybody who coaches anyone doing anything. Like you could hire an <laughs> agile coach for your software development team and Scott Brooks would be worse than him. Um, <laughs> like he's the worst for, He's the worst at like transmitting whatever the message needs to be. Whatever it is that a coach does, he's the top three worst thing, worst person I've ever seen be able to transmit that message. Yeah. That's... What, what is, how, how does he have a job? Because he got to coach a guy named Kevin Durant through most of his early years of his career and James Harden and prime Russell Westbrook. So, you know, when it when you take a turn and suddenly you're coaching Robin Lopez, things go a little differently. But like, I, mean, I don't know. I feel, I, I feel like you knew he was a bad coach when he came to the Wizards. Yes. So it's amazing that, you know, it's not, this isn't a surprise, right? But it is, I mean, I think with the Wizards, at least when I was, I was thinking about it, like, you would think that they would just beat up on all the bad teams by having two players of that caliber, but it just seems to have not played out that way. And I don't know, there are certain teams that are playing better than expected, I guess, from, like when we looked at the East at the beginning of the season, but it's, it's a bit shocking. No, it's true. I mean, no, no guaranteed wins on their schedule, but... Uh, well, anyways, so those, those are a couple ones we got wrong but i think you know some of the other ones like nuggets clippers lakers it's interesting because those are all top teams out in in the west um you know nuggets and clippers we were all bullish on but i think with this season given the injuries given the um kind of just up and down nature of the way things have been going a lot of these top performing teams are underperforming and then we're seeing a lot of teams in the bottom 
kind of uh, everyone's kind of moving towards the middle, essentially. And there's a big log jam in the middle of both conferences. But now let's maybe get to our individual picks. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go round table. Each one of us is going to talk about one pick we got right that the rest of us got wrong. So this is your opportunity to do a little victory lap. What you saw in the in the preseason and what actually panned out and what's working. But then you also got to defend one pick that you got wrong that the rest of us got right. And so, you know, this is your chance to to kind of make your case for why you made that pick and why it went horribly wrong so far. So let's start with with Nifton. So a first pick, one you got right that the rest of us got wrong. The next one, the one you got wrong. So uh, based on my uh, 12 and 18 record, this is pretty slim pickings here on the right <laughs> column. So I have two options, one which is Toronto and the other which is Cleveland. You told me I'm not allowed to pick Toronto because I was right by default after you wouldn't let me change my pick. So <laughs> I think that's fair enough. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip Toronto and go with Cleveland. I think what is really exciting if you're a Cavs fan, uh, I, I don't know that the Venn diagram of thick and thin listeners and Cavs fans is huge, but... If you happen to be, I think one thing that's exciting is there was a lot of question when they selected Darius Garland the year after they selected uh, Colin Sexton, whether that combo could actually work together. And I'm not sure it can win a title or be a contender or anything like that, but clearly they, they have, um, you know, those two guys are, are big guns and they've, they've taken on, you know, they just beat Boston last night, for example, but they've taken on the nets. They've taken on several teams where it's like, okay, they can go shot for shot with some of the best players in the league. I love what Isaac Okoro has proven right off the bat. I mean, I think they really struggled defensively last year. They've gotten marginally better and he's a reason for that. Um, they, they aren't getting anything from Drummond is obviously sitting and Kevin loves played like two games this year. So it's pretty encouraging that, you know, their two highest paid players aren't even active or contributing and they still are able to you know, produce at a rate higher than people thought. I think they're still one to two pieces away from being a perennial playoff team. I think they are more than that from being a title contender of anything of that nature. But if they can get another guy in the draft, which is why it behooves them to, to still lose if they can then it could really change the trajectory of their team. Like, can you imagine Evan Mobley on this team uh, anchoring the defense? You know, you already have Jared Allen, which was a, honestly such a finesse in that trade that they just picked him up essentially for free. But I think Cleveland's young players, I, I just thought they were better than people gave them credit for. And so far that's proven to be uh, true. But, you know, like any young team, it's, it's somewhat of a coin flip on how these guys are going to mesh. Yeah, Cleveland was interesting because it was uh... – they had uh, this was one I think we even talked about as being like one we could see going over, given that they had some talented pieces and the number was set so low. Uh, and it's interesting that Kevin Love has not really played a factor at all this season either. So it's purely on the strength of their young guys. Um, Andre Drummond wasn't really helping, uh, even though you know he was putting up big numbers, but I don't think he was contributing to winning. So it was all on the strength of those young guys, and so they they look a bit more promising than I think it looked in the beginning of the season. I like I like that Carpet just said, "Hey, you guys can all go be smug about one of the picks you got right." And Nathan just gave us some sort of like deep analysis of the Cavs roster. And then finished. I then finished with, "They have a lot of young guys, so you don't really know." I mean, they could go the other way. I guess that's the least smug response ever. Uh, look. If I'm at the stage of my life where I'm hyping up getting uh, the like twelve and twenty Cleveland over under <laughs> right, then I got bigger problems. <laughs> 
I would love to tell you I got Utah dead right or something like that, but unfortunately I got Cleveland and I got Toronto, so it's not much. Uh, you are at the stage of your life where you're deep in analyzing the Cleveland Cavaliers roster of Darius Garland and Colin. That's true. That might be worse. That might be worse. You're right. Um, all right. All right. And so should I go with the one I got wrong or do you want to go everyone get the right one and then go? Uh, go, with the, go with the one you got wrong. Go for it. All right. So the one I got wrong is not just a pick I got wrong this year. It's really a miss of multi-year proportions. And the reason I say that is my team is the Charlotte Hornets. And the player in question is LaMelo Ball, who I think I'm letting myself now run the other way too much because I asked you, Karthik, if you'd rather have him or Zion to start a franchise. And I picked LaMelo, which is just insane that I even this thought came to my head. And I don't even know that it's wrong. But when they signed Gordon Hayward, it was an overpay. Everyone said that. He he looked like uh, a far waves removed from the all-star season he had in Utah. But... I think what it allowed them to do is build, just get some credibility. And I took that for granted. I took how much that would help Terry Rogier, Devontae Graham, and even LaMelo, who doesn't have to make all the plays for this team, right? Like the way uh, Trey Young would have to, or the way like a De'Aaron Fox has to, where you can actually like slow your way into learning how to play point guard, which is the hardest position. And dude, Charlotte, everybody's talking about Charlotte now and how they're the league pass darling and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to like go through that. I, I mean, obviously they're fun to watch. I just... I totally miss LaMelo's ceiling. I thought he couldn't shoot. I thought he didn't care about defense. And maybe it was just because he was playing in some trash Lithuanian and Australian leagues. And now that he's actually in the NBA, he gives a shit. He looks awesome. So that would be the one that uh, that strikes me. I mean, you both, you guys both had the over. And I think, I don't know. I guess, like, their number wasn't even that high. I just, I guess I just, like, had past years of Charlotte in my head and think, thinking this was the same team. And it's clearly not. Yeah, this, this was one of the few teams I think I had, like, actual analysis on when I picked the over-under, because I saw they had the Borrego as the coach. He's in yeah. the top coaching tree. And I was like, that's got to that's gotta earn you some wins. And then Hayward, I mean, like, it did feel a bit like, you know, Hayward being on Utah, right? You kind of figure that he, you know, he's top, he would be top dog, which I guess did turn out. But, you know, he would kind of thrive in that environment. And I, I, I guess I do wonder, like, do we should we wonder about how this is going to change what like high school players think about doing because you know a lot of the knock on Lamelo is like he's played in all these random leagues and we don't know how good or bad he's going to be but you know I assume that NBA teams are going to start looking there a bit more and that might change a little bit about what players do right absolutely I mean I think the big criticism against Lamelo was how do you value that experience out there in Lithuania uh, he's ball hogging and you know he's I was not high on him, that high on him either. Um, and I think you can overlook a lot of that now because the raw talent was always there. That's what people fa- liked about him. And it's proving out. And he's, look, I think he's doing better than anyone could have expected, at least right off the bat. I think even the most fervent LaMelo supporters wouldn't expect him to be shooting this well from three, um, you know, early on in the season. That being said, uh, this team added, like you said, Gordon Hayward. And they were. This is a team that was gunning for relevance, right? This is Michael Jordan wants them to be a postseason team. This wasn't a team even close to tanking. They were pretty good last year. They have a lot of supporting pieces, and so that number was too low to to go under on. Now I want to go to something else you said, Nathan, because you're a classic prisoner of the moment. Uh, first, <laughs> you know, you get this one wrong. Now you're already calling Lamelo better, or you'd rather start a franchise with Lamelo <laughs> than Zion. 
I cannot like this take. I know we talked about it briefly, but I was busy doing something else, so I couldn't properly respond. This is an outrageously bad take. I want to hear your defense for why you take Lamelo over Zion after we've seen maybe twenty games of Lamelo Ball or thirty. So games. for one, we've only seen like forty more from Zion, so he's not exactly like he's been proven this out for a while. But so I think, look. Zion is going to be the better player for the immediate future. That much is clear for the next five years. But the piece that I worry about is the piece everyone worried about when he came into the league. Does he turn into Blake Griffin by the age of 29 or 30? Because if he does, then you're talking about a different trajectory for his career. And Blake did add an outside shot. But as you could tell, that wasn't really enough to keep his game um, everlasting in the league. And Blake is a superior passer. Uh, to Zion as well. I'm not saying Zion can't develop those those traits. He's more physical and more dominant athletically than Blake might have been in some of those Lob City era game seasons. But with Lamelo, I think his size, if he commits to it, he can be a great defender um, or even a passable one, a good one. Right? Zion is not a good defender at this stage of his career, and I think his shooting is way better than I thought it would be coming in. So although he has that funky release. He's going to continue to get better. I'm not saying that I believe that take, but I do think that it's a reasonable conversation. So let me ask you this. If you don't think that, let me give you four point guards that are all young on rookie deals. Tell me who, how you'd rank them. Lamelo, John Morant, SGA, and Trey Young. I'd take Ja first, then okay. SGA, then Lamelo, then Trey Young. I'd switch uh, SGA and Lamelo, but yeah. And Trey started in the All Star game last season to talk about how how quickly things change. Like, think about that. But yeah. that that refutes your point, right? Like, <laughs> like Trey was top last year, and this year he's bottom. Like Lamelo could he's top this year. He could be bottom in six months. No, it's about Zion, who's top now, and Lamelo's <laughs> going to take him over next year. No, look, at the end of the day, like guards, th- what is the ceiling on guards? Uh, most guards aren't going to be a Steph. It's so rare for the Steph Curry type, right? And so even if he is a Chris Paul type player, the impact is just not the same as an all-time wing. And Zion has all the tools to, to become an all-time wing. The fact that he's putting up this many points on this efficiency with no outside shooting game, uh, which, fair, maybe he'll never develop it, but if he can even become passable... Uh, it all of a sudden opens up so much more for his game. And his defense right now is a train wreck, which, given his profile, it can at least become league average. And I think you'd rather take a guy like that at the wing position or at the forward position than a guard who ultimately we haven't seen that many guards outside Magic Johnson, Steph Curry, really be the linchpin of a championship-winning team. Don't you think his size, though, changes the profile from for him as like not just a guard but really like a wing like he's legit six seven six eight already and he could grow more it does but he's never gonna be like that six seven six eight is great in terms of his the way he can pass the way he can orchestrate an offense like a lebron type but he's still not he's not big and physical um like uh, a ford would be so yeah the height helps but it's it's not you know Unlocking anything crazy, in my opinion. All right, so fair enough. All right, next team. So are you up, Karthik, Kush? All right, so let's let's go to Kush then. So Kush, maybe you take us through 
what you got right, what you got wrong. All right, cool. So look, I think there were uh, a ton of options I had for ones that I got right and you guys got wrong. Um, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is how you're meant to be smug, Nathan. I guess you're right. You can't <laughs> think you only got 12. There was a few. There was Golden State. There was Houston. There was San Antonio. Um, but I think uh, Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, I want to take one that you guys gave me a lot of shit for on the pod, which was Minnesota. So I had Minnesota as the under, and I was it was my lock under. I was like, there's no way this team is going to be um, nine games better than last year or whatever they had them at. And I could not have been more right. I think that, I mean, I have no faith in Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I just, I could not believe that you guys had him as overs. Um, and yeah, fully vindicated on that one. I don't know if you have anything to say for yourself. I can always mount a defense. And the defense here is that... Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns have basically not played together this season. They've been injury riddled. And granted, I don't think it really would have mattered all that much if they were on the court, but it's been even harder than you would normally have it. You know, Malik Beasley now suspended, who's their second best player. So there's nothing good about what's happening. But at the same time, I think that had they had a healthy season, um, they might have nudged their way up closer to this break even point. The way I'm going to push back is I, if if I'm not remembering correctly, or I might be misremembering it, but I thought you didn't like Minnesota simply Kush because it's not a travel destination for you, right? Isn't that how you're <laughs> ranking your uh, the likelihood of over unders based on how likely you want to go there or how you want to go there? I mean, that's also true. Like that's not, but that's not to be you know undersold. But to be fair, I did put Miami as an under, and that's. That's a pretty good party destination. This was, it was like this travel was, destinations, and then if they were part of this pop coaching tree. Yeah, it was travel destinations. Whether it was, well, it was either a place that's really bad to party or a place that's so good that everyone's going to get COVID because they're partying. That was the Miami. Uh, yeah. That was the Miami. <laughs> that was the Miami. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and teams that I didn't want to watch because they suck, which was Minnesota, Cleveland, and they fall into a couple of camps. But yeah. So that was the one uh, that I got right. You guys did it among among many, if I haven't mentioned. Um, now, the one that I got wrong, so I had two options for one that I got wrong and you guys had right. One was Dallas, um, which I think might turn out okay. They're playing a lot better. Um, but the one that we should talk about is Utah, which I was off on by, by a bit from the looks of it. Um, had them under, you guys had them over. I... You know, I thought that this team had run its course. I thought that they were kind of like in the Portland situation where they wouldn't be up for playing together again. They kind of just flame out as a four or five seed every year. Um, I'm impressed that they've come they've come back as good as they are this year. Uh, this one, I mean, it was a little bit on the state of Utah as well. I kind of didn't really want to go over on that. So um, wrong on that I'm one. I'm amazed at what Utah's done this year. I, yeah. I like I I took the over, I guess, but really the team that I thought was going to be Utah was Denver. Um, Denver is who I thought was going to be the number one seed in the West. So I can't even. I, I mean, I honestly can't even really take credit other than I thought Utah would be good, but not this. Um, and I know they've slowed down a little bit, but 
Damn. I, I mean, I'm, I actually kind of agree with Kush in that I thought the team had run its course a little bit and they they're going to be, be a good regular season team because they have a good coach and a deep roster. But And maybe that's still the case, right? In the playoffs, they don't actually have enough to get them over the edge uh, or over the hump. But yeah, I, yeah. I, they're, they're playing beyond my expectations for sure. Yeah, I had the over on the Jazz, but I thought it was more of a fine-tuning the current formula they had and being a really good regular season team because of it. They've completely changed the not completely changed but they become an offensive juggernaut right um and just a couple years ago that this was not what that team looked like and so that was one we we got right but uh it's just interesting to see that no one really predicted what the jazz became this season anything else cushion yours wait wait, we've got to give kush more the mavs pick (laughs) right you said mavs over we went Mavs on. Yeah. I guess we can't even hit on you for that because they are. uh, No, the other one Kush has to do a victory lap on is Houston because they've lost 18 straight games. And somehow I took the over because of John Wall. Believe it or not, John Wall has not really affected their ability to lose 18 in a row. (laughs) Turns out everyone who's been telling you that Wall is washed was right. And, uh, that, you know, and that's where the fandom comes in, right? I mean, you can't see past those those wall-colored glasses. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's but, troubling. I mean, in, my, in my defense on Dallas, I did say this: the roster looks awful, but I just want, I just believe in Luka. I, I mean, I think, we, I think we all had Jokic as MVP, actually, but I thought Luka would be pretty close up there. So, um, I had him beat. Not, not, not Nathan. I had him beat, which looked... I had Embiid, which looked awesome, but now I think they're going to really slow play his return. So it's not going to be him. We're all trying to figure out who to bet on, actually, because I don't want it to be LeBron. We should bet on someone else. I'm okay with it being LeBron. We know. I, I mean, it's going to be LeBron. It feels like the narrative. I mean, he'll get his he'll get his team on that, right? Like where the next few months are just like, oh, like doing this at age, whatever without AD, even though they're not even good without AD, but somehow that'll turn out to be like something that yeah, works out in his favor for heavy narrative. Um, but yeah. The other one that, I sh- that I, I'm pretty happy with is the Thunder. I had the Thunder over where I was, I think I was basically just like, they have SGA and he plays hard, and so they're going to win games. And it looks like that, that's going to work out. You guys were pretty down on them. Yeah, that one is I I don't even know what to say about the Thunder because I still watching them you know with Poku going off randomly, game you know the game here game there, just the the talent on that roster I mean, SGA like you said has been really really good, but I I still can't explain how they're hitting that over. It it's it's really bizarre because SGA sits out a bunch too like either because of like pseudo load management or because he's like kind of nursing a couple injuries but. He'll randomly not play, and like four of their top ten will randomly not play, and then they'll still be up seven versus Chicago. And you're just like, I don't understand, like, what is the Thunder like equation to winning here? And they just traded Trevor Ariza, who didn't play for them anyway, but it's one more vet out of the locker room. They're just really trying to gut this thing. And Sam Presti must be just like dying inside, right? Because he saw the formula with the Thunder the first time around to build up to the championship contender. It was three picks in the top four. And now he's not able to get into the top four because his team is too good um, when they were trying to strip the whole thing down. I, the fact that the Thunder are good or even like competitive, better record than the Wizards is bizarre. 
And the Rockets. And the Rockets, yeah. The Rockets are playing like a G League cast, though. I mean, every game is like eight guys are out. It's insane. You can, you can, I can see Nathan talking himself back into Wall by, oh, the roster, this is a G League roster. Put a proper <laughs> roster on Wall. It's not his fault. Like, I can, you can just Have see the wheel turning. For wall. We need weapons for Wall. Kevin Porter Jr., since he was called up for the G League, 23-7, and seven, but he's playing without Wall. Wall's coming back tomorrow night versus the Pistons. I expect us to get back on the winning side things. Do you want to be on the Do winning we, side? I don't. I don't. But I want him to have enough trade value such that some contender will take a, take a look at him. Because I think the contract is obviously pretty unsightly, but with one fewer year left on the deal – it may be that somebody who's desperate, like a Miami or a Clippers, takes a shot on him at least this summer. I don't think he's going to be traded this year, but maybe we need to hop on the Wall MVP train this year, next year. I mean, he's winning it one of the two years, I'm sure. Yeah, right? it's, yeah it's fifty-fifty shot. He wins it, probably maybe both. So I don't know. We should parlay okay. this year and next Let's year. Do a back-to-back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, makes sense. Karthik, what's your one correct that us both of us got wrong? Yeah, when you say one correct, there was only one correct that the Blazers <laughs> got wrong. And it was, and it was the Blazers. I picked I picked the Blazers over, um, and it's it's ironic because I was hammering the Blazers last postseason, not giving them the credit. I love making fun of Dame because he he shows up in the regular season, never shows up in the postseason. But I'm staying. I stayed true to that message. He shows up in the postseason and. You know, my argument for the Blazers being better this year was really, I thought they were going to take a leap defensively, given they added some some wing pieces uh, and bolstered that roster a bit. Now, Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. have been pretty good defensively for them. They're two of their better defensive players. But Nurkic and McCollum injuries have, have wrecked them. Uh, and they are just as bad defensively as they were last season. But the story, as everyone is familiar with, is Dame... Lillard just going lights out in clutch. Um, Portland actually has a negative net rating, and yet they have a winning record by a significant margin. And, you know, when you look at Lillard, he leads the NBA in clutch points. He's shooting, I think, 60% from the field, 53% from three, and 100% from the free throw line in clutch minutes, which is absolutely bonkers. And so, look, this isn't sustainable. Um, when you're overperforming that much in the clutch, there's going to be a regression to the mean. But at the same time, they've been hobbled by injuries, and I think when they're full strength, this is a good team. Once again, they're going to get waxed in the playoffs, but this is a, a very good team, and, and Dame's taken it to another level. So proud of that one. Uh, and that is the only one I can actually uh, hang my hat on. His numbers in the clutch, and, and for those who listen, clutch time is defined as uh, five minutes left in the game. The score is within five in either direction. So... His clutch time stats are among the best all time. Uh, the fact that he hasn't even missed a free throw, uh, when you see how many clutch free throws he's hit, how many clutch threes he's hit, and it's, it's actually like right before the break, I was watching the the Warriors-Blazers game, and it was like Steph, I was, Steph was dominating that matchup, right? And Dame was like one of eight from three, and it was actually very similar to a lot of Steph-Dame matchups where the Warriors just take him to the woodshed, but he hits two threes at the end in the last like minute minute and a half that the degree of difficulty is like 15 out of 10 and he's not big right so he's not shooting over guys but it's his core strength or something he's just his the quickness of his release 
fearlessness. I mean, they've been without McCollum too, and they just got him back a couple nights ago. So yeah, like the Blazers aren't winning uh, a round two series. This is their ceiling, I think. Uh, there's just too many good teams that that match up and can take him out of what he does well. But for the regular season, at least, it's a lot of fun. And the only downside is we get the like constant barrage of like, oh, Dame's so underappreciated, so disrespected. It's like by fucking who? Because everyone's blowing this dude like 24-7. So who's disrespecting him? The fact that he didn't start in the All-Star game, well, it's like, yeah, well, Steph and Luca are also insane. So whoever you didn't pick was disrespected, so to speak. I'm tired of that part of Dame, but love everything else. This, this was one where I went against my city deciding rule. Because you know you I love, love Portland. Portland. You love I Portland. love Portland. I think it's an incredible city. And they don't and it's not even like a party city like Miami, so it doesn't really fall into the COVID camp either. And I really should have just gone with I love Portland, I take the over. Um but another another that was a, this was the team I thought it'd run its race, but apparently Dane loves being like forty five or whatever and and then losing the playoffs, I guess. Like that's he just hey, loves coach, that. Don't he, count he, he, out he, Dane. Don't be that guy that counts out Dame. Everybody's been counting him out his whole life. I'm just like everyone else. I'm just like every other person on this planet, just counting out Dame. There's no one out there who properly rates him. One thing I'll say is if you go to Weber State like he did and you're a four-year starter at Weber State, you probably do have like the most massive chip on your shoulder to become what he's become. Uh, so I get that. I mean, that's maybe one of the worst schools that any – sort of first-team all-NBA-level player has gotten to. Uh, so I do understand that. But it's been eight, you know, eight, nine years now, so we can maybe move on from there. People, people, yeah. he, he missed a couple all-star teams earlier in his career, but that's all been rectified. Yeah, I, now I get we're about it. To lose, now, now we're about to lose all our Weber State listeners. Jeez. Come on. <laughs> Come on but we added the Cleveland Cavs fan. Yeah, we're making it up with all the Akron University uh, uh, fans. Um, <laughs> all right, so that was my one that I got right. The one that I got wrong, or one of the ones I got wrong, was uh, the Suns. And I was horribly wrong on the Suns. Now, in my defense, you know, my I knew Chris Paul would get make this team better. And this team was hot, as evidenced by the 8-0 bubble run. The, the question for me, though, was how, would they leap into that top tier of of teams and were they really good enough, deep enough? Uh, and was Chris Paul really going to move the needle that much for a team that yes, the bubble run was great, but they underwhelmed frankly throughout last season. And the interesting thing is, you know, Aiden hasn't taken a leap forward. Um, it's really been on the strength of obviously Chris Paul, but the depth of that team uh, and the minutes mm-hmm. and contributions they're getting across the board. And they've, they've been pretty, uh, they haven't been hit by injuries. Like Chris Paul has pretty much played most of the season. Um, they're managing because of that depth. All these guys get their man- minutes managed pretty well. Like Booker's not playing more than 33 minutes. And he's a guy who's typically played uh, heavier minutes. And I, I was just wrong. Like I had no- I not envisioned this team being as good as a two seed, which they are right now. And if, if they continue to play like this, uh, Utah's got a sizable lead on them, but they could make a push for number one, too, which is crazy to think about um, considering where they, they started last season. So that one I, I got wrong. I yeah. mean, I, I don't have much to say here other than your pick was bad in the moment. Like the moment <laughs> you went under on that, that was a bad pick, and it's turned out exactly as I think Nitin and I expected it to. 
I actually agree that that was bad at the time because Chris Paul only does one thing and it's turn up performance in the regular season. Like he is the king of this. He did it literally last year with an Oklahoma City team that traded for him almost as a salary dump. And they went on and got the fifth five seed. So I think with Phoenix, the question was always, what are they going to have around Booker and Paul? Is Aiton going to step up? Is Jay Crowder, was he, is he, was he like, you know, a little bit over the hill post Miami and got some shine off that finals run? Uh, did they have enough on the bench? Mikel Bridges. So a lot of the guys that have stepped up are not Chris Paul's doing, but this is what he does. He unlocks and he, he maximizes the potential of everybody on the team. This yeah, yeah, okay, here. okay, yeah, this is what Chris Paul does. All right, but listen, the Suns are a franchise like the Sacramento Kings, right, historically, where no matter what they do, they just toil in obscurity. Uh, and if you're telling me if you added Chris Paul to, like, the DeMarcus Cousins Kings, they'd become a second seed in the West? That's all Chris Paul does? No. My my logic was that— Wait, time out. Can was, I respond to that for a second? Because a Chris Paul-DeMarcus Cousins pick and roll back in 2016, 2017, that would have destroyed the NBA. No. No, I like my whole logic was there are franchises like that they've been bad for a long time, but for a reason. And it's not like Devin Booker just joined the team; he's been there for a while. Aiden's had a couple years now. They weren't adding significantly new pieces. Yeah, Jay Crowder, fine, right? But it wasn't a total overhaul of the roster. So I didn't think I don't think Chris Paul's worth like fifteen, twenty wins by himself. But I guess he is. But don't don't act like this was easily easy to foresee. <laughs> The thing about it is they weren't projected to do what they're doing now. This is a way overkill of what even they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be like a slightly, they were supposed to be 44 and 38, which is like, that would have been, you know, the seven seed or the six seed in the normal Western Conference. The fact that they're at second, I won't tell you that I forecasted that, but what they were being asked of, it was like, you know, with who they had. See, this is where it really hurts. And not to go to Bill Simmons on you, but... If they had just taken Tyrese Halliburton over that center they took from Maryland and he was, you know, they had the three guard lineup with him, Paul and, and Booker and, you know, they could stagger and make sure one of those guys was always in the court. Now that would have been like really special. I don't even want to think about that scenario because then the Kings without Tyrese Halliburton would be a goddamn wasteland. So glad that it didn't play out that way, but Okay, so that, that was the last one. Um, any other teams we want to talk about or predictions we made that we want to revisit? Can I can I make a point on so Karthik, earlier you were talking about how like you know everyone kind of bunched up in the middle, and if you guys remember after we did the over unders last time, we were talking and we're like, why didn't we just take all the high seeds under and all the low seeds over? Because COVID, you never know what's going to happen. Let me let me shout. Let me show you what that's looking like right now. The bottom six teams in the West are all over. Four of the top five are under wow. in the West. In the East, four of the bottom five are over, and four of the top six are under. So, like, that would have just worked out so perfectly had we just taken, basically, you take the top half of every conference under, bottom half over. It would have been unbelievable. That's, I mean, that really is a testament to the weirdness of the season, and also... I think how, like, there's been a lot of change in the offseason, a lot of movement, but there's just been so little time to, to train and get ready. And so 
I mean, like what Brooklyn's doing, frankly, with just throwing Harden in and just ripping off win after win, it's not the it's the exception, right? That's not the rule when this thing when these kind of things happen. That's that's yeah, really exactly. interesting, though. It's crazy. Um, I mean, but should, I mean, we should we should actually, you know, I, I don't even know if that's just a COVID thing. I think if you go back a couple of years, right? If we look at the data and see uh, top four teams and bottom four teams every season, uh, if you take, you know, what, what are the probability they hit the over versus under and you see that most of the time the top teams are going to lean a little bit more under and most of the time the bottom teams are a little bit over like why can't you just bet that every single season now i don't have any data to back that up but it seems like a decent hypothesis we should I, go back I, to booth and take regressions and then this could be our follow-up project to the <laughs> other one that said hey if you have all-stars you win more games yeah and if you don't it's been a few pods since you mentioned booth so i'm glad you brought it up <laughs> um <laughs> I want to also say the words efficient markets. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) What's worse is I think that like every year when I do over-unders and maybe this year so far it's been okay, but I usually like go under on the bad teams because just I'm just like, they're just bad. How are they going to win games? Which is obviously what Vegas hopes for. So, and and with the good teams, you're always like, oh, like, of course they're going to win a load of games. They're such a good team. And Vegas just like cashes in on that, I'm sure, every year, which to Karthik, to your point, I'm sure if we looked at it, um, there's probably a decent betting opportunity there. Um, Yeah, but if you talk about one team that let's go around the table. So I'll say one team that I think I'm wrong on that I really believe is going to end up right. For me, it's Denver. Uh, Denver's 24 and 16. If they just were 26 and 16 right now, they'd be hitting the over and. They had a bunch of issues early on. Jamal Murray looked like, you know, I don't want to get into Jamal Murray anymore, but he's starting to look more like the bubble version. I think they're playing a lot better. Michael Porter Jr. somehow. So Michael Porter Jr., who's anti-vax and doesn't believe in COVID, somehow got COVID twice and missed like almost a month. So he's finally back and healthy and playing well. I hope he takes the vaccine before the playoffs start, just for his own sake and for my over-under sake. But um but yeah, so that's that's the one team on my mind that I think is is really starting to move up. And now, I don't know that they care about this, but Jokic's MVP case is very simple. Finish with the top three seed, and it's likely his award to lose. Yeah, that one that one's looking like uh, it could definitely happen. I think for me, I'm not going to go with one that I think will sh- change. One that I don't feel bad about at all, like at all, is the Spurs. Um, what they've done this season with that roster, given that LMA is a corpse and, you know, they, they haven't needed him. And what DeMar DeRozan, what that entire um, roster has done and what Pop has done from a coaching standpoint has been incredible. And I, you know, you, you could have asked me, te- you know, I would have never picked the over. Even though that number was pretty low, there's no way I was going to pick the over on the Spurs this year. And they've outperformed every expectation in our an actual, you know, playoff team right now so the spurs yeah they have such a weird collection of young and old talent i didn't think it would work either but i think Karth- i mean kush that was one that you could have picked from right <laughs> yeah that was one that i had i think that was also just kind of like hey it's pop like i'm gonna keep picking for i'm gonna keep picking him until uh until he's gone really yeah the pop coaching tree uh wins again wins again i think i also had like DeRozan is going to be upset because he was what number was he in that top 100 list he was something like ridiculous like <laughs> yeah he was 82 and actually he he not only has he 
been playing like he's upset. The players on the Spurs have honestly mentioned it. Yeah. Like DeJounte Murray has mentioned it. It's such a ridiculous it's, – it's crazy the things that, like, they get motivated by, right? It's like you would think that, you know, playing in the number one league in the world, playing for, like, a good team, getting paid millions of dollars, like, that should probably make you want to win games and play well. And then it's like, nah, it's when some journalist just puts together some article where he lists you as number 80 and you're like, oh, now I'm upset and my team is about to – Pop might have, you know what? Pop might have written that article. He might have ghost, like he might have got that article written. I wouldn't be surprised, actually. That's a Belichick move. Belichick yeah, would definitely that would do be that. A Belichick move. Honestly, that, would be a that reminds me of the the Bucks defensive backs. There was apparently some article like on NFL.com that ranked them the thirty second group out of all defensive backs in the league. And like every post game interview this year, they cited that article. I'm like, that's one article, <laughs> and it wasn't even that outlandish of a statement. It's like, no one believed in us. No one believed in us. It was just, it's funny how these guys take those uh, anything to really give them uh, extra motivation. Yeah. All right, Kush, what's your team? So honestly, the ones that I've been, that I was wrong on, despite all the smugness today, I was pretty far wrong on. So I don't think any of them are really going to turn Dallas, maybe, but. I'm going to say, like, Carthy, I'm going to go with two that I'm not upset that I got wrong, and that's the Knicks and the Cats. Like, I look at those rosters now, and I'm still like, I don't I'm, – I'm happy to be wrong on those. Going under on them, I still think was the right decision. And um, I know, I know uh, Nathan, you gave us some, like, full analysis on the Cats and why, you know, <laughs> they should be – they're going to be over. But I don't know. I look at that list, and I'm like, they should be under. And the Knicks, I mean, I know they've been so much better than everyone thought. But again, like looking at that roster, I know they have Kevin Knox, number one QB in the league. But like other than that. <laughs> That's a throwback question uh, right there. That's the uh, second episode we ever did, I think. That's what shows you just like a really dedicated listener. <laughs> that shows you how ridiculous that comment was. <laughs> Put it on my tombstone. <laughs> But yeah, so I think Knicks and Knicks and Cavs, I'm okay being wrong on that. Yeah, the Knicks, I think everyone was wrong. Uh, I don't know anybody who was like really high on them this year. RJ Barrett is better. Julius Randle made the freaking All Star team. Like, who could have predicted that? I mean, I, I think, and we talked about this, Nathan Tibbs, like the coaching job he's done because that yeah. roster. A lot of the guys, returning guys, and you know, and Julius Randle's a great player, but the leap he took this season, and then you saw what Tibbs did in Minnesota as well. Like, yeah, they had Jimmy Butler, but just the fact that that team made the postseason with Cat, and now with Cat and D'Angelo, they can barely. I mean, I know they've been injured, but they can barely sniff like second to last in the West. Um, like, what his his coaching has really kind of, uh, as much as he grinds his guys and grinds them down, he clearly is a floor raiser for any team. I do want to spend some time talking about Isaac Okoro's on-off uh, rating. Uh, when we have this. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, you know, I'm actually really excited to see because second half of the year, dude, this play-in tournament, we do need to spend five seconds on this. This is going to yep. be awesome. Like, you were hating on it, Karthik, but think about it. We might have Luba. Was not, when was I hating on it? You were saying it was like a waste of time, and it was like no, not even what? that. No, I was hyped for the play. It, it just created a straw man for him to argue <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> just pretend you said that. Uh, pretend that we're first take for a second. So, so think about it. In the East, sorry, in the West, you might have a play-in tournament with Luca, Steph, and Dame, potentially, which is just yeah. crazy. And Or 
Zion, right? Maybe the Pelicans make a move and suddenly they're, because they're not getting past seven, right? They'd be lucky to get to 10 at this point. So let's assume that you're going to have two or three like mega, mega stars. And then in the West, East, you're going to have Chicago, which is a big market. You're going to have potentially the Knicks, which is a huge market. And you know, those playing games are going to be like the most highly rated games of all time. And you could have the Wizards there. You could have like a bunch of really compelling teams. And it's going to be like this single elimination tournament. I think it's it's going to be a major hit, and maybe will continue to be. Oh, I am insanely hyped about this because they're bringing the March Madness style to uh, the NBA single game elimination. The only thing that's going to suck about this year is the fact that there's not going to be crowds, and yeah. you're not going to have that packed stadium. Like, can you imagine like the Knicks hosting a play-in game? Sure, it's a play-in game, but they've never sniffed the playoffs or haven't sniffed the playoffs in a while. They've got a packed Madison Square Garden just going insane. Like it's, I'm really excited for these games, and especially because, like you said, the West we've got a lot of. You got Luca, you got uh, Curry and the Warriors. You got good teams that are going to be competing. Damn, Karthik, you've yeah. really changed your tune on the play-in games. Wow, like one year, <laughs> and you've already sort of switched your whole view on it. Um, but, but I, I mean, look, why it, would you be so down on them? And then, <laughs> but I mean, the I mean, and also like I. Like, it kind of is also going to work in the sense that it's supposed to stop, like, a bunch of teams tanking. And it seems like that it might actually work. Um, like, there's still going to be a few teams at the bottom, right? But the number of teams that are going to do it are way fewer than before. So, kind of looks like it's hitting all the, all the that, objectives. That's actually a really good point because think about Sacramento. Think about Washington. Think about all these teams who are, like, theoretically not going to sell like they should in a normal scenario because they have no playoff chances. Like we want them to sell, but in realistic, in reality, shouldn't we want them to compete? Because that's what we hate. We hate tanking, and now this avoids that. <laughs> like, because you're right. Because like all these, any team twelve and up basically can talk themselves into a couple week hot stretch, and suddenly they're getting a chance to play in the playoffs, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm afraid the Kings are are doing. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're still three and a half games out of the tenth seed, so they're not even sniffing the play in tournament. And meanwhile, there's rumors that Vivek is is saying, no, let's keep Buddy and Barnes so we can make a push for the play-in tournament. Uh, so I I don't know. But you're right. Like, the odds the odds are flattened. Um, and it's it's harder to kind of guarantee yourself a, a top draft pick anyway. So a lot of teams that aren't close are like, screw it. Let's just go all in and, and compete. And I think, um, you know, Washington will be an interesting one because how far are they? They're not too far back, even though they're, they've been pretty bad, right? Um, they're, uh, what's the standings right now? I think they're like two or three games out of 10. So similar to the Kings. Um, let me check. But it's like, you know, you, you, it's crazy because you could have had a terrible season, but you can sneak into the play in tournament with a hot stretch at the end of the season, win just a couple of games. And all of a sudden you're in the playoffs, right? And you can sell that to your fan base as look, this wasn't a disaster of a season. The wizards are still an eight seed. We're in the postseason. Um, it's crazy. The narrative can completely flip. We yeah. We might have Celtics Wizards as a playing game. That is that is that is. <laughs> that would be exciting though. Uh, maybe the Wizards have a chance to avenge. Didn't you lose to the Celtics in the was it conference finals? Conference semis. It's the farthest we've gone since 1979. <laughs> was that when John Wall jumped on the table? It was the it was the okay. series that John Wall jumped on the table. Yeah. Was it was it the series they all dressed in all black? Which one was that? Yeah. So that gets misremembered a little bit. It was the Celtics that dressed in all black during the playoffs. The Wizards had done it during the regular season. Even better. 
<laughs> yeah, it was like game 28, and the Wizards were like, today's the day. And it's like, what, today's the day you get back to 500? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's, that's why it was perfect so, that John Wall right. like jumped on the table winning a game six. Like, that was incredible. <laughs> With a game seven left, seven left to play. What's funny, if that was Noops' uh, pharmacy school graduation that night, and uh, we had some banquet or some shit that we were at, and everyone's getting all these awards, blah, blah, and they're crying, and they're doing these speeches, and I have this, like, crazy tight, like, napkin propped up, like, watching the entire <laughs> game, and I'm, like, cheering like crazy. like, And then when he hit the shot, I had to do literally save every fiber in my being to not just yell in middle of this banquet hall when they were like talking about how many me- drugs they've memorized and how hard that was. <laughs> you almost jumped, you almost jumped on that table oh, there, did you? Yeah. I was like, let me do what my boy did. But all right. Uh, any, any last thoughts? We still no, got how many games left? 20, 25, 30. No, we have like, 30-ish, 30 to 35. Some teams have to play more in the back back half because they had a bunch canceled because of COVID. And, you know, some of the players are starting to take the vaccine and there's actually rules that they just put out about, like, the do's and don'ts if you are vaccinated. And I'm hoping that encourages more people to take it because even something like the Ben Simmons and Embiid thing where they got to to sit out of the All-Star game because of contact tracing, you don't have to do that if you've been vaccinated. So... I feel like stuff like that will encourage people, especially in the playoffs. Can you imagine like Giannis being out of a game four because he came in contact with somebody like that would just be so miserable. And we worried about in the bubble, the bubble ended up being airtight, but now it's clearly not anymore. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, The, the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel is uh, can actually see it now. And hopefully postseason, no issues. If we get fans start to, to come to the buildings already, we have teams like Dallas that are, opening up a lot more um yeah. but you know I'm, I'm hoping for at least some better crowds too in the postseason so we'll see kush it was great to have you back on the pod any any last thoughts no i mean honestly i think uh pretty happy with where i am i'm i'm worried that everything's going to revert to the mean by the end of the season so we'll do this again <laughs> when the season's over and i'll be less smug but um look i think it's i've I've been surprised at how normal it's kind of felt the the games, you know, even though the fans aren't in, like, there aren't that many fans in the stands and all that, but you know, the players still playing hard. And um, the fact that the season's kept going has been, has been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, man, you guys are doing great. Uh, I love listening to the pod every week and uh, I love the variety of topics you guys are hitting as well. So great job on that. Um, and I'll look forward to being back in a few months. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. We're all looking forward to the second half of the season, see how the playoffs shake out. Appreciate you coming on. For those listening, please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin at on, on all major podcast platforms. Please email us at thickandthinhoops at gmail.com, and we will talk to you next week.